Hello and welcome to episode 47 of the Sustainable E-Commerce Podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build your brand for a healthier planet. As always, I'm your host, Giles Smith. Now, as we march into 2023, we all know that there are some prevailing headwinds making brand growth more than a little challenging this year. So it's time to talk about one of the most overlooked yet vital building blocks of a successful brand. It's time to talk about customer experience, specifically the experience your customer gets through their buying journey. And obviously, a great experience helps you convert visitors into buyers and buyers into raving fans. But the rub is, it's notoriously difficult to get a true read on how your customers actually feel about their experience, especially people who didn't actually purchase. And what about customers' perception of your sustainability? If you're a sustainable brand, you must get your story across in a way that eco-conscious consumers can understand it. But how do you measure that? How can you be sure that your messaging is giving them the information you think it is? Well, enter today's guests. Andy Evans is the co-founder of Humi, a mystery shopping network designed to give online retailers and e-commerce brands unparalleled end-to-end visibility of their customer experience. Andy's joined today by Marila Ostus, head of strategy at Humi, and together we take a look at how customer experience evaluation performed by their mystery shoppers is helping brands of all sizes highlight some astonishing gaps in real-life customer experience. Plus, we explore how their extensive data set is enabling a customer's eye view of how a brand's UX stacks up against their competitors in a way that's never really been possible before. And please do listen right to the end because we share a very exciting announcement about a world-first programme being run right here in Australia to help sustainable brands specifically. So with that, let's start the show. Andy and Mariah, welcome to the show. Thanks, Charles. Thanks for having us. So exciting that you guys are here. We, I mentioned the importance of user experience in the first show uh, of the year and how incredibly important in particular this year it was going to be because ultimately user experience is what determines the success of a brand uh, more than perhaps any other factor. Uh, and we're going to dive in a little bit into why that might be today. But before we do, Andy, can I get you to introduce yourself a little bit as the uh, who you are, what's your background, and and how did you come to start uh, Humi in the first place? Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, first off, thanks a lot for having us. Um, you know, great to to be able to come on and and chat for a little bit about some of the stuff that we're doing and, and talk a bit more broadly about things like customer experience and user experience, which we all know and love. My background, I've been in tech for. Um, a long time, 20 plus years uh, working in consulting for a long time, helping banks and, and universities and um, airlines and those types of um, those types of people build big technology platforms. Um, the whole concept for Humi came about actually from um, my partner, Lee, who um, is not here today, but he's out there doing what Lee does. Um, he, he and I actually lived just a couple of doors up from each other, um, down the coast. So we we lived kind of down towards Wollongong, just south of, south of Sydney there. One day Lee pops his head over the fence and says, Hey, I've got this, this idea. Um, would you like to come and sit down and have a coffee? And 
and flesh it out. Um, Lee has family and, and a lot of connections kind of in the retail space and, and, and it had this idea burning at the back of his brain for a little while. Um, I had sort of been thinking about a change and when this came up, um, the more I kicked it around and, and you know, laid awake at night staring at the ceiling, thinking about the, the different options and, you know, we threw around a couple of proof of concepts. We, Lee and I sat in our granny flat drawing pictures on a whiteboard for, for a long time in the, in the hot summers um, a couple of years back. And the more we, we, we kicked it around, the more we and spoke to people in the industry, the more we realised there was a real market need for, for what we do at Humi. And yeah, that's that's kind of how Humi was born. And really the, the whole idea is where, where you know, it, it all spawned from the idea of taking the traditional in-store mystery shopper for a, a physical retail experience and applying that to online. So um, that's the, the simplest way of putting what we do. I don't think it really does us justice because we, we do a lot more than than what you would do in store. We've taken that concept. That's kind of the, the seed of the idea. We've then kind of scaled it up and layered a whole lot of complex data and analytics on top of that to, to give it a much more rounded experience. But um, but that's yeah really how we came to be as a business and where the idea came from. Yeah, fantastic. Well, we're going to drill into that in great detail in a moment. But before we do, Marila, tell us uh, tell us your background. My name is Marila. I'm the Chief Strategy Officer of Humi, and my background is very different to Andy's. So I've worked over the past 20 years in retail and predominantly e-commerce. And I think the reason why I'm so in love with Humi and why I fell in love with this idea is because I wouldn't have achieved what I've achieved if I wouldn't have made the customer experience my priority. I've seen companies growing from 100 million to a billion, and we wouldn't have achieved that without a massive focus on customer experience. In the nicest way, it's quite simple. You know, when people like something, they come back. If you walk into a restaurant, they offer great service, they offer great food, your cutlery is clean, the service is nice you're definitely more likely to come back and and wanting to experience that again. And I think that was always on top of my mind. How can I create the best experience? I've worked the past five years for the Iconic in the capacity of chief commercial officer and not only offering good products, but really making people enjoy the whole journey from end to end. That was pretty much my task with obviously everyone together at the Iconic. And how I came about Humi was I think one day we got introduced through a mutual um, contact and I was thinking I've I've I said in thousands of trade meetings and probably it's time for me to kind of change sides. Um, still making customer experience my focus, but probably more about the enablement of other retailers. How can we help retailers to really understand what a consumer thinks going through their whole end-to-end journey and really enable them, helping them, showing like great transparency and visibility and probably what is good and what is not so good. And yeah, I think I was pretty much blown away by the idea straight away. And um, it, I think it didn't take long to hire me from our first um, conversation. I think a couple of days later, I was on board and here I am. And um, I'm at Humi now for, yeah, getting close to a year now. Yeah, well, that's an awesome journey. And and of course, what a, to coin a phrase, iconic brand that was to be working with and driving in terms of its growth. And And, and I understand you've got a background in sustainability as well, to some degree. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, exactly. So that actually became initially a little bit my pet project. So working at the Iconic, we knew we had to change a few things and we need to react to not only the demand of people looking for more sustainable products, but also wanting to do more in that space, wanting to do right things for the environment, for, for people and for the planet overall. And so 
that became my task um, with the sustainability team. So how can we, you know, bring this project to life? So I've worked over a couple of years on the considered project at the Iconic. And then after that, I I was really obsessed about this topic and really fell in love and I thought there's a bit more out there for me. So I decided after I've left the Iconic to work um, for a time as a sustainable consultant, basically apply my knowledge and help other people to move in the right direction in that space. And and now obviously what, what we're doing at Humi, we will dive into that a little bit later. I can combine all my passions together. So I'm quite grateful for that. Yeah, what a, what a fantastic confluence of, of skill sets. But we keep talking about this thing called customer experience, right? We've mentioned it. You guys have both dropped that word. And I think I started out the conversation with that phrase as well. But Andy, what does it really mean? What does it mean when it comes to people's online journeys and online uh, online appreciation for a brand? Look, I mean, it, it, it is something that's kind of banged on about a lot um, and thrown around. Everyone says they're customer focused. Everyone says they're, you know, they, they care about the customer experience. But uh, the way we take it is the is the real, true, literal meaning of customer experience. And that's orienting everything that you're doing around the customer and having them at the front of mind in, in every decision that you make. And it doesn't just mean your website. Everyone thinks e-commerce, let's just focus purely on the website and get people through the checkout. E-commerce is such a long journey and the online shopping journey you know in particular it starts with someone you know perhaps seeing an ad on instagram or whatever it might be maybe they hear a friend talk about something they might search it um in google or bing or whatever they whatever they use and then they land on the website they browse around you know they might bounce and you know there's a whole lot that goes through it before they get to the checkout but then once you've paid for the item um you've again got this you know, this whole other thing that, that kicks into gear afterwards, you know, dispatch and delivery and the product arriving, you've got um, a returns process, you might have interactions with support, there's loyalty programs, there's marketing that comes out, you'll get new ads after you buy something. So um, for us, that customer experience is really about paying attention to everything along the whole journey. You know, mm. it's not only caring about how you provide a really nice experience up front and get someone, you know, through the checkout and to hand over their cash, it's what are you doing afterwards to to give them a good experience so that they, once the product arrives and they've they've had it in their hands for a little while, they don't want to take it back, um, and and they've liked it so much they want to come back and and buy again. So, um, that's 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 customer experience for us is is paying attention to all the small details across the full end to end cycle and, and making sure you do it all well. I think it's brilliant that you make the point that customer experience is about there interactions with a brand at all points of the journey not just about the pre-checkout on the website and so you're using this amazing network of mystery shoppers to explore the entire customer journey right yeah exactly exactly so we the way our our, our service works is we have a network of shoppers that are out there um, all around the country at the moment um, and they will go online and they will shop and they will go through the the full end-to-end experience of buying something online which we've all done many times um, and they will assess that process all the way through end to end across about 180 data points that we capture along that journey um, and we'll do it at scale so if you're a, if you're a, um, a customer a retailer of ours when I talk about customer in this context I'm talking about a Humi customer which will be a, yeah. a retailer or a, a retailer's website um, typically is, is the focal point we will our shoppers will go through that entire process end to end and and essentially provide their assessment and we'll do that at scale so you're getting opinions from a whole lot of different people from different backgrounds and also people that are that are shopping everyone so you know they see the they see the good the bad and the ugly 
of um event to end um online shopping experiences um yeah. so they they come in with some some fairly sharp opinions on on what they think is good and what they think is bad and i love that because that's a really like like morala said it's a very powerful concept to have actual shoppers go through and tell you in a statistically significant way what's good and bad about your experience you know there's a lot of talked about cro uh, conversion rate optimization and there's lots of experts out there who can tell you to put this widget there and turn that button orange or do whatever it is to try and optimize your conversion but actually having a large body of people who are not trained in necessarily in the art of customer experience, but are literally giving you their feedback from a this is what I found type of view in a consistent, coherent way is something that is, well, basically irreplaceable, I think. And so what that means is that you guys have got perhaps some unique insights into some of the things that work and don't work in an online experience point of view. Can Can you share some of the most common kind of user experience deficits that you're seeing amongst the brands that you're working with? What should people be immediately aware of that they're doing wrong? Yeah, I mean, I'll chuck a couple out. I'm sure I've, I'm sure Morala's got a few to add to this because um, it, it's kind of baffling sometimes the things that you you hear and you find out about. And a lot of this this stuff, there's no way you, we could have foreseen coming into this the, the types of things we would be helping brands with. Um, so, uh, you know, a lot of stuff on site, really basic stuff. Um, what we find is a lot of people have a terrible mobile experience compared to their on-site experience. So, you know, people are sitting in an office testing their website all the time. Um, they forget about it, even though oftentimes a lot of, you know, majority of their traffic comes in via mobile site. Mm. A lot of brands not focusing much on their app. They might have an app, but again, the app doesn't have as great an experience. Um, so, um, you know, maybe it hasn't been around a lot, uh, long enough and, and they haven't invested as much in the app as they have other areas. Um, we get a lot of issues with broken tracking links. Um, you know, as a customer, as a shopper myself, I see that a lot when you're buying something online, you're trying to keep up. Um, you know, we see... A lot of times, people trying to track the parcel and they can't they can't find it, or they don't get notified when the parcel's been delivered. We've had examples where um, we were sh- we were working with a with a retailer um, who was a US based brand, and then they launched their Australian site um, and did a whole lot of media and, and and a whole lot of marketing around it. And they launched their Australian Australian site. We were shopping them across that period and. Didn't realize um, for a few days until we told them that um, that shoppers were, be- were actually being redirected to their to the US website, so they hadn't wow. had kind of set things up so it would it would route accordingly. So people were obviously getting to the getting to the checkout and realizing they didn't ship um, internationally from that from that website, uh, which is obviously a howler. And you think about the the amount of spend that's gone into um, the getting that platform ready to launch to to kind of bail at the starting line in your first week is huge yeah there was one um there was one example last week we we had where um we we helped one of our global um partners um you know discover that they had a they had around about ninety thousand of their shoppers that had not been receiving that had subscribed to their loyalty program but hadn't actually received anything from them in the loyalty program that's ninety thousand shoppers um, just in Australia, and this is a global brand and a, and a problem that that is um that is global for them. So, I saw you guys post about that on on LinkedIn actually, and I, I think my jaw I still got a bruise on my jaw from from that hitting <laughs> hitting the desk. I, I like what? How does nobody yeah. notice that ninety thousand people aren't getting their? That's insane. But but going back to I think some of the more common problems. You know, you, you raise one thing there, which I see all the time when we're doing. Um, when we're doing website audits for people as well, which is mobile experience is fundamentally duff. And, you know, like, the, the, especially for smaller brands who kind of rely on 
I guess a, a Shopify template or a or a WooCommerce template or something, and the, and like you say, they build it on their desktop because it's you know basically impossible to build a website on a mobile phone, and then they forget to go and check that experience, and it just breaks in horrible ways. Uh, and of yeah. course, that's bad from every perspective, not just because it's a bad user experience, but Google hates it too, you know. So uh, so yeah. generally, you know, checking out mobile is 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 really important. Um, but I, I really I'm interested by this one that you mentioned uh, there about broken tracking links about about sh- about shipment because I suppose from a perception and positive memory of a brand point of view the one thing you've got to get right if you're buying online is getting the thing delivered and and if yeah. and people start to feel very scared immediately if they can't find it if, if the shipping link's broken because I think something's gone wrong don't they in the nicest way. So, and I'm speaking probably a bit from a female perspective here, but if you order a dress, for example, and you need it on Friday because you want to go to a date or to some kind of event you have on, you don't know when this parcel is arriving or if, if the retailer even shipped it, they go and buy another dress elsewhere. So the aftermath is they receive your parcel and send it back straight away. Mm. This, this dress never had a chance. So it's it's really about managing expectations of customers. And the thing is like lots of retailers are not even aware of that. Some tracking links might work, others don't. And they, I think that goes through the whole communication. We see lots of cases where people are not responded to and they have a critical question before they make a purchase in regards to the product or in regards to shipping times, whatever it might be. Um, there's no one from support responding to them, even though the company thinks, the retailer thinks they have responded, they did not. So that might be a critical point and yeah, that might make or break the purchase of the customer. So that's things we see really often that there's um, throughout the whole journey, there's a lack of communication and lack of managing expectations of the customer. And what we also know is like customers are forgiving if you say, I'm so sorry, uh, your parcel will take two days later to arrive, but it's very much about managing their expectations, really tell them where is this parcel, where does it sit in this journey? Other way around the same. So people want to understand when the return is received back because then they have an idea of when they get refunded. Most of the retailers are posting that re- refund times are three to five business days. And I think that that's pretty much the majority. The reality is that we know the average refund time in Australia is 10 days. So in the nicest possible way, no one is really managing expectations in that case. It also speaks to the fact that it is a long and complicated journey, you know, buying something online. And and as a retailer, you don't have control over all stages of that of that journey. So unless you own the, the courier company, um, you know, a lot of brands you know, we'll have shared warehouses. They will outsource. Um, they'll outsource customer support as well, depending on the size and, and who they're working with. So, you know, you may have full control over what's happening on your website, um, but once someone hits pay um, or they try to pay, you may be integrating with a third-party system that you rely on heavily to do some work for you. Um, but once they hit pay, you lose a lot of that control. But it's about understanding that. That experience is, you know, the customer will tie that back to you ultimately as a, as a retailer, you know. They're not going to um, – that's that's in their mind. They purchased something from you and it took X to arrive, the package arrived damaged or, you know, whatever it was, that's associated to your customer experience. So it's about understanding that and, 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 and having that in the back of your mind. Giles just jumping in here again with a quick aside – 
No matter where you are in your journey to grow your brand for a healthier planet, there's one area of impact that all e-commerce brands share, and that's shipment packaging. It's imperative that the customer's order arrives in perfect condition. You already know that if your stuff arrives damaged, that's a bad user experience. It ends up in profit-sucking refunds or replacements, and the damaged items will likely end up in landfill. But how much thought have you given to the fact that your shipment packaging is actually usually a highly overlooked part of the overall customer experience? In many cases, it will be the very first physical interaction someone has with your brand. With sustainability, the war on waste, and the single-use plastic problem being front of mind for almost all consumers now, the last thing you want is for that first impression of your brand to be dominated by frustration with how your products are packaged. That's why I'm so excited to be partnering with our friends at Heaps Good Packaging on the show. They provide a range of very cost-effective, eco-friendly, compostable shipment packaging from simple mailers through fillers, tapes, labels, and post-pack boxes. And with that all-important first impression in mind, they can also help you with custom-printed packaging as well to really elevate your brand experience. Head over to heapsgoodpackaging.com.au and use code PACKLIKEABOSS to get 10% off site-wide. Okay, back to today's discussion. Something you said there, which I feel like need to jump in on, uh, obviously lots of brands do outsource their logistics and fulfillment. I mean, that's that's kind of normal uh, for most brands, I would say. But a bugbear of mine, I won't lie, is when people outsource their customer service. Um, it's For me, customer service is something, in my personal opinion, you should never outsource. Yes, you can get you can hire a team to do it, but it's so fundamental to your success as a brand if you outsource it, you're essentially outsourcing your sales. And because yeah. customer service is sales, it's the same thing. Uh, you know, when somebody is there 24-7 to answer people's people's questions, they're there as a salesperson. Yes, they're there as a customer service person, but they're there to sell. They're there to help them convert. If they've got a problem with their packaging, they're there, they're, they're a salesperson because the experience that someone delivers as a result of something going wrong ultimately determines whether they're going to come and buy from you again as a brand and continue interacting with you. So for me, I would always, and I always have in my brands, always built customer service team internally, even if it's a, a, a VA, a, a virtual team, you know, somewhere else, yeah. owning that and then getting the insights from that to improve your product, to improve your service, to improve your branding, to improve the journey overall is vital. But never say never, Giles. What we've seen is obviously a variety of performance across several service providers as well as in-house teams. We know there are a couple of good ones, really good ones out there. We're in a beautiful position to have full transparency of what consumers perceive as a great service or not a great service. So I yeah. think there are definitely really good alternatives. I don't think everyone needs to have it in-house. Um, it's just about obviously finding the right service which fits to your company, to your cu customers and so on. But yeah, definitely to your point, someone, some providers with a really low performance in that sense others with a really good one the point you make there is very valid which is ultimately it's the it's the customers that are going to tell you that and the danger is that if you don't have something like a humi service to actually tell you how that's tracking you won't know and you'll just make assumptions about it yeah which of course is very dangerous so i like the fact you you challenged me on that because it ultimately is the customer that's going to decide whether that's working or not um and so getting that getting that feedback at scale is very very important so we've talked a little bit around you know some of the little nitty gritty benefits 
What about holistically? What do we see in terms of growth, in terms of return on investment when you really do invest in your user experience, Marala? What have you seen? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know, it, it always comes down to understanding what people perceive versus what people expect. And I think that's a great learning from our side. Like lots of retailers don't understand how they're perceived, but also what their customers expect them to do, you know? So there's a huge gap in the market. So, and then, I mean, on top of that, it's also really important to have transparency around the market level. What what do we see right now in the market? What are competitors doing? You know, you can look as much as you want as yourself and thinking, I'm nailing these things. I'm really good at this. You won't know that unless you see, you know, how you're basically stacking up versus the market versus your whole industry cluster or versus your direct competitors. So I think that's something we we obviously provide great transparency on. Where you, how you are stacking up and ultimately i mean let's be honest the likelihood that you take market shares from someone is if you're better than someone else in in the whole customer experience you offer um if you yeah. don't offer a great experience it's very unlikely that you're set up for growth or for outperforming one of your competitors yeah what a brilliant insight that is um in terms of if you are you know, we're all in a competitive market in one way or another, even if we think we have a unique product. Ultimately, we're competing against people that sell yeah. similar things or, or alternative products or, or, or something similar, right? So everybody is competing. And if you're struggling to get market share, if you're, if you're relatively new into a space and you're struggling to get market share, one of the smartest things you could possibly do is understand the customer perception of your brand and of your experience. Because if you are way behind your competitors in that customer perception, there's your problem right there. It might not be the brilliance of your product. It might not be how good your mousetrap is. It's probably your customer experience, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, talking to, you know, sort of the way that we we kind of score and I guess measure um, customer experience across, you know, across the different retailers and across the landscape. Um, the interesting insight for us is is really being able to tell people how they compare to, you know, to their competitors. Where do they shape up? You can use whatever, you know, whatever algorithms you like to score somebody or whatever weighting you like, um, you know, and we use a lot of sort of a lot of industry research and a lot of our own research and best practice to, to determine what has the biggest impact on customer experience. But once you've got that kind of um, that baseline in place, the, the most fundamentally important thing that people want to know about and, and what is, you know, probably the most important thing of all is understanding where you sit um, in comparison to to the competition, so where are they doing better than you? Um, where are you doing better than them? And and how can you how can you improve and, and beat them? You know how can you get ahead of them um, in those small areas to try and take some of that market share off them? So um, yeah. so I think that's um that's kind of critical to the overall to the overall process is really having that 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 almost that market driven approach to to comparing. Um, to one another in in the in the industry and and talking about being able to uh compare brands um how we all met each other was through the amazing work that you guys did with green friday and uh, for anyone that that uh is not familiar with green friday that was an event for sustainable brands that was run uh in november last year and there were 150 160 brands that participated in that kind of promotional event uh especially targeting uh, eco-conscious consumers. And you guys ran a kind of um, sustainability perception assessment on all of the brands that participated in that, didn't you? What, what, did you, what did you find out of that exercise? 
Yeah, I think probably to take a step here, how, how did we even come about this exercise? I think, you know, we spoke about the custom experience and, and how many things are contributing to a great experience. There's not one thing you can pinpoint. There are 200 things, you know, which might influence the experience. We know, obviously, that that sustainability is a part of this, this custom experience. People want to know where their products are coming from, how the, the retailers engaging with the community, what kind of great things they're doing. It really matters in their buying decision, right? It, it can make or break, you know, their purchase decision. Um, so we knew that's definitely something we factor in in the overall customer experience. And then we heard about this event. We were kind of blown away and and thinking all these about 150 brands participating, they're doing an incredible job to going above and beyond and, you know, create a great story with their brand and, and, and engaging with their community and like, you know, even giving the consumers the possibility to actively contribute to a, a certain cause. So we were thinking, how can we actually give these brands full transparency on what they're doing versus what the consumers are perceiving? Like, you know, we, we saw that very often in examples before, sometimes consumers don't even understand what is it about. They can't even sometimes find a sustainability section because it's worded in a different way or something like that. So how can we help them basically and give kudos to them, but, you know, help them on their journey Um so I think that's how the idea came to life. So we created a sustainability perception score, which is like is measured across various dimensions, whether it's community engagement, the product, the diversity, which the retailer shows, um, you know, the the basically transparency or, or like the authenticity, like how people even perceive these sustainability actions. And yeah, we pulled it all together into a report. We sent our mystery uh, or network of mystery shoppers through that. And I think that was quite eye-opening for us, this exercise. Um, really, like, I think one of the key points, key takeaways for us was really that most of the consumers don't really understand what these brands are talking about. And that, that comes down a little bit to the fact that these brands are very deep in their journey. They have a very deep understanding of sustainability, but the consumer does not. You know, the average consumer doesn't know why, for example, linen is more sustainable than cotton unless you really tell them and explain them. And I think overall, like, yeah, that that was eye-opening that these brands are doing amazing things, but it, it's not perceived that way from the consumer point of view because either they can't find the in, in information or they simply don't understand it you know, yeah. and besides lots of other things. But I think that that really kind of led to the point that we thought, oh, that there's more in that, you know, that there's a, there's even more we can do to help these retailers to, you know, tell their story and ultimately allow consumers to align to their values and, and grow their market share. And I think you've hit on a really interesting point there, which is, you know, sort of from a twofold point of view, we have a perception gap between a brand and the consumers that are coming to that brand. The first one is around understanding and knowledge of what you're talking about. You know, five, six years ago, let's say, and certainly pre-COVID, sustainable brands would talk about what they were doing. And they were mostly marketing to eco-warriors who already educated. They understand the space. When you say linen, when you say organic cotton, when you say bamboo, they understand why those things are better and they make the choices accordingly. But now 
sustainable brands, if they want to grow, they have to market to mainstream consumers who are less educated about the details of why something one choice is better than another, about the different types of uh, of approaches that you can take to sustainability. And so they need a little bit more handholding. And and this is where this is a shift that's really happened fairly quickly, I think, in, certainly in Australia in the past couple of years. And a lot of brands are still playing catch up to that. So that's that's one thing. That's the education and understanding piece. But then there's this over overall gap isn't there between what people are saying somewhere in the depths of their ESG reporting and what they're actually communicating in the customer journey. And just before we hit record, Marila, we were talking about this analogy with restaurants about how people can see that. Talk us through that analogy a little bit more and, and, and why we think that's important actually in the customer journey. First of all, I think as a retailer, you do have a responsibility of education if you really want consumers to understand what you're doing. And, you know, like if we go back to the restaurant example, you might be vegetarian or vegan and and the restaurant has all these things, but they're just not showing it to the consumer. So you go elsewhere. And let's be honest, we all have the choice. There are tons of retailers out there where we potentially can shop, but you need to find like, you know, the, the connecting element in a way like, get your message right, be transparent, be clear, be honest about what you're doing and allow the consumer to understand and, and have the choice. I like what this retailer is doing. It's not a, it's not like a pure transaction. We are talking about um, a product which has so much more to it. You know, you support a good cause. You, The company might plant a tree. When you purchase a product, whatever, you, you just support a whole journey of a retailer, not just a transactional product. And I feel like that that's really important. So um, if you really, you know, want to get people on this journey, want to have a loyal customer base, they need to be able to align to your individual story and understand what you're doing. So many reports now out saying that you know, 50, 60, 70% of consumers are more than ever choosing to buy from brands that that align with their their values. They're choosing to buy from brands where they feel like their money spent is actually going to have an impact in the world. And if you're not communicating that, you know, during the customer journey, as they're coming from wherever they come on, on your social profile or onto your website, and then through the post-purchase experience as well, you're essentially stealing from them the opportunity to choose to buy from you because they're not seeing all the great stuff that you're doing. It, it, it certainly does feel like, you know, particularly now, um, 2023, everyone is doing, you know, even even the what I would what we would consider the poorest performers in the in you know when it comes to sustainability. Pretty much every retailer out there is at least doing something, at least some small steps um, to try and improve. But you know, so many of them do such a poor job of communicating that or putting it in front of people, making it making it real and tangible, you know. Um, you only have so much time to engage somebody when they're on yeah. your website. A, a shop can be can be quite quick. You have to – it's such an important part of the journey now. You have to have that visible and available for people to, to get access to and understand if they want to. Yeah, that's right. And I think, you know, the word journey is very, very important to, in, in that message there that you just gave because the reality is you can put all the information you want on a sustainability page that's buried in your About Us section – and think that you've done a good job. But the reality is that only a tiny proportion of people will actually go, I wonder how sustainable they are. I wonder if they're doing things in this space that align with what I want to buy from and and go and have a look. It's got to be presented to them in bite-sized form so that on the journey one way through, they get what they need. So when they're about to press that add to cart button, when they're about to press the checkout and buy now button, yeah. they actually already understand where you sit. 
And from that point of view, you know, just a shameless plug for a, for a second, one of the things that I thought was really cool with when we looked at the 150 old brands that were all in Green Friday. So in theory, all sustainable brands or at least doing something aligned with sustainability, uh, all of the customers that we were working with at Sustainable Commerce that had come into that event uh, were were ranked in the top 20 in terms of sustainability perception, which just goes to show that when you actually learn how to present that information in the customer journey, it makes a big, big difference in terms of how customers perceive that. Yeah. Based on that, though, I think that's a great segue to talk about some really exciting news that we have for sustainable brands and uh, people doing things sustainably. So, Marala, do you want to do you want to jump in and talk about what we're working on together? Yeah, you and and us, we all had had the learning that brands are doing incredible things, but they don't know exactly how they can put it out or they're not even aware of the fact that they're not, you know, transporting their message to the customer. So we, we definitely see there's a lot of things we can do in the market to help these brands to align with their customer groups or even gain more more customers by putting out their message, by getting things right. So I think that's how it all came about. That's how we got in touch, basically. You said it's amazing what you guys are doing. And then we had a deeper look in what you are doing. So I think speaking from the overall story, we know there are tons of brands out there. They're doing certain things. Um, what they don't know is, first of all, they don't know how they're ranking with what people perceive or expect, but also how do they rank in a greater context of, of the whole market of other brands, right? So we want to give them the possibility to get a great understanding, not only from a customer perception piece, what customers think, how what they're doing and how they're doing that, but also give them a clear idea of how they're indexing in a greater scheme of things within the market. So what we're thinking was basically you and us together, we can offer them like a 360 package, but then also translate what they need to do into clear actions and help them to get to the next level, if that makes sense. I'm really excited about this because I think it's an incredible opportunity for brands to get, like you said, a complete uh, overhaul of their messaging. And if you think about sustainability messaging, we know that we've talked about it already on the show. We know that customers are mainstream now. They want they mainstream customers want to buy more sustainably. They want to live more sustainably. We know that we know that customers are increasingly choosing to buy from brands where that align with their values and are making an impact in the world. We know that we know that for sure. Uh, But messaging is the one thing that ties all of the user experience elements together from the first touch point to someone that's a seasoned customer that's come back to buy from you over and over again and in essentially is a hero in your mission it's the mess it's the consistency and the tone and the congruency of your messaging that ties all that together and makes it not just a marketing ploy but actually an authentic story for your brand and it's that thing that ties it all together. So I'm so excited about this because what this means basically is that together we're able to give you a true customer perception footprint of how you are perceived in a sustainable sense. We're able to then look at the feedback we got from those customers and implement a framework for you along the lines of what we have done for those brands that ranked really highly in Green Friday already to make your messaging Uh, more transparent when it comes to sustainability. And then we can tail that on with an ongoing monitoring of that as you grow and as you expand so that you always know where you are. And I think that's the key power, isn't it, Andy? That that being able to not just get a moment in time view, but actually an ongoing uh, assessment of where you are so you can track it uh, continuously as you grow. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and look, we're we're obviously pumped. You know, so pumped about this as well. I think it um it, it you know for us in what we do, you know, looking more holistically at the the end to end e commerce journey, it's really it's always really important for us to be able to take our learnings and our insights and be able to turn those into into solid actions. So this just works so well for us to be able to to, to lean on our network to be able to produce the insights um, and get get the data there um, to, to, to then grab hold of all of that knowledge, um, Giles, and, and, you, and leverage your framework and methodology to be able to help retailers take it to the next level. Um, and then to, to implement a, a method um, using, you know, Humi's, Humi's always on process essentially to, to come in at the end and, and have a look, you know, ha- has the work that you've done um, actually move the needle, you know, are you improving, you know? So, yeah. Um, and, you know, what's good, you know, is forever, it's a, it's a, it's a, always a moving kind of yardstick, you know? So it's, you know, we're big believers in continuous improvement. This is something that you don't just kind of, um, you know, put something in the ground and then walk away from and then never come back to it. It's something you've got to keep an eye on um, continuously, understand what your customers are doing, understand how the market sentiment is changing because, you know, as you mentioned yeah. earlier, it's moved so much just in the last couple of years. So, it is something that you really need to continuously understand. Um, and look, sustainability in general is, is, is something that I, I think a lot of retailers struggle to get feedback from from their customers on. It's a, it's a difficult yeah. question to, to go and poll your audience on, you know, what do you think about what we're doing? Because you, you open yourself right up to, to a whole lot of different, um, you know, conjecture. You know, you, you're kind of opening the floodgates. So, so I mean, it, it is a, it's, it's an area that, you know, and we're obviously really excited to be able to, to give um, retailers something really, you know, incredibly useful here that we think can 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 move the needle forward a long way. And, and you you raise a really good point there, Andy, which was that you know it's sort of common practice, and it, and it's fair game for for a brand to ask for feedback on the quality of their products or the effectiveness of their products or even their the quality of their customer service. It's uh, a topic that almost every brand I would say shies away from when they say, "How sustainable do you think we are?" Because nobody's perfect yeah not there isn't a single brand in the world anywhere ever that's perfect in in terms of what they're doing uh with regards to sustainability there's always gaps there's always holes there's always more things that could be done and and the fear is that they'll get slammed for it right as soon as they open themselves up for it so this is an incredibly safe way of getting the true understanding of that without uh having to put yourself above the parapet uh, early and having your head shot off by publicly going out and asking this you can do this in a very very safe way by getting you know the humi mystery shoppers to give you the information that you need and then deploy a framework with, you know that can actually tell your story in a in a way that's not going to get you into hot water with with greenwashing claims and it's not about communicating something you are not. It's very much about like taking what you're already doing and then, you know, forming that, shaping that into the right messaging. And again, I think that's the point. Lots of friends doing incredible things, but they don't haven't found a way to communicate that. Being able to communicate what you're doing with honesty, humility and transparency is critical. Customers definitely want to know about it. And so if you consider your brand to be a sustainable brand, if your brand is purpose-driven and making an impact in the world, or if you've made significant progress transitioning to more sustainable practices, you will be losing sales from eco-conscious consumers if your messaging on these topics isn't clear. But just as important, if your customer experience and brand story messaging aren't clear post-purchase, then you'll almost certainly be missing out, not just on repeat purchases from those customers, but on being able to turn those customers 
who were, after all, looking for the exact solution that you provided into evangelists who share your brand story for you. So what's the next step, Andy? Where should people go if they want to explore this sustainability perception and user experience service further? Uh, yeah, look, you can come and chat to us. Uh, head over to www.humi.co slash sustainability dash perception. So sustainability dash perception. Um, and yeah, you'll be able to find everything you need. It's a pretty straightforward process to to onboard and get going. Um, for us here, this is something that that we we offer to a wide range of brands and can give you you know your benchmarking comparisons and rankings and and kind of full understanding of of where you sit in the market so um yeah humi.co slash sustainability desk perception is where you want to come fantastic and so uh, you know there's so many things that you can focus on to grow your brand there's so many different directions you can take that you you know you can fluff around with trying to improve your channel uh, spend you can fluff around with all sorts of things but ultimately user experience trumps everything customer perception trumps everything and messaging is the thing that hangs everything together so ultimately if you want to outcompete uh, in the marketplace if you want to gain gain market share if you want to grow you've got to work on those two on those things first and so this is kind of a pivotal service that really everyone should be thinking about uh, using if they're if they're in any way thinking about sustainability in the marketplace so guys thanks so much for joining me today it's been really fun uh, chatting with you and and i certainly am stoked to be working with you guys uh, going forward it's going to be great same here thanks for having us yeah, same. Thanks so much, Giles. Honestly, always, um, always great to chat. Um, and I, I always learn a lot. Even just listening to you right now, I'm, I'm learning things. So, um, yeah, appreciate having us on here. Back to Giles again for my top takeouts. And I think my first major takeout from chatting with the Humi team today is that we have a major visibility gap in e-commerce when it comes to customer experience. Chatting with the team off-air, they shared that from their data, 80% of brands think that they're delivering an outstanding customer experience, but only 10% of shoppers actually agree with them. And that's a truly alarming disparity and something you'll never uncover, at least not in any actionable detail, with customer surveys and things like MPS. With Humi's shopper network capturing hundreds of targeted data points, you can identify gaps with pinpoint accuracy, which could save you from making costly assumptions, not to mention bleed from wasted ad spend and lost purchase frequency. But what then about your customer's perception of your sustainability and impact efforts? Are you actually communicating these things clearly, not just to clued up eco-warriors, but to mainstream consumers too? Humi's sustainability perception scoring shows a gulf of difference between brands communicating this clearly throughout their customer journey and those who aren't. Actively surveying your customers is a white-knuckle ride because while we understand that nothing is ever going to be perfect, there are always people willing to tear you down for things that you could be doing better. Humi's mystery shopper system then provides basically a risk-free and highly transparent mechanism for truly getting a handle on your sustainability perception. So this year, in the face of everything that's happening in the digital marketing landscape, the brands that survive and thrive now and over the next decade are going to be the ones that really do marketing well. And since brand story and brand messaging is the bedrock of marketing across all your channels, it truly is critical to make sure that how your customers perceive your brand is actually aligned with the actions you've taken and the image you want them to have, especially in relation to sustainability. 
So if you're running a purpose-driven brand, if you're running an impact brand, or if you're running a brand that's making major strides in sustainability, it's time to get your user experience check up. Head over to humi.co slash sustainability dash perception and arrange to get a no obligation consultation today. For now, I want to say thanks again to Andy and Mariah from Humi for joining me today. And thanks to my sponsors, Heaps Good Packaging, for helping to make this show sustainable too. I'll be back again next week with more stories from the world of sustainable e-commerce. So until then, keep building your brand for a healthier planet.